Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa, and this is our show for the week of May 13th, 2019. On today's show, news, listener questions, and Jim reviews Bob Iger's new upcoming book. But first, let's bring in the man who reminds you that if Billy Joel called the song Piano Man, why won't the dude with the harmonica ever shut up? It's Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Well, to be honest, Len, I'm more concerned about the old man sitting next to me making love to his tonic and gin. It's like, <laughs> hey, buddy, get a room. <laughs> and by the way, Mr. Joel was right. This microphone does, in fact, smell like a beer. <laughs> would kill the owner of the spire to occasionally upgrade the equipment. <laughs> I'm here all weeks, folks. To tip your waitresses. Try the veal. Put bread in your jar. Is that what you're saying? Could use a little more bread in the jar. <laughs> anyway, how are you today, Len? I am well, Jim. I am well. Jim, let's good, do good. a uh, shout out to subscribers over at Disney Dish bandcamp.com thanks to new subscribers tony b jeff w and sal m and longtime subscribers mark s elliot s and eric t you know jim you know how disney comes out with these uh, new commemorative cupcakes or donuts every week mm-hmm. it's these folks job not just to taste them but also to ensure that the food coloring used in the icing makes your teeth look like you grew up next to a nuclear power plant <laughs> wow not not all <laughs> heroes wear capes jim Again, it's the diabetic. I just I, I wave from a distance. It's like the icing looks lovely. Have you seen the new the new donut that came out? It's a it's a donut with uh, Mickey ears on it, but the donut itself is the size of a small pizza. Oh, oh. oh God bless America. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jim. Let's uh, let's do the news, folks. The Disney Dish News is brought to you by Storybook Destinations, trusted travel partner of the Disney Dish Podcast, for a worry free travel experience every time. Book online at storybookdestinations.com. Jim, every show should begin with a round of self-congratulations. Our friends over at WDW Magic are reporting that later this year, the Disney Springs restaurant Bongos will finally close. We said it last summer that it was going to happen in 2019, and it looks like it will. That said, Jim, all is not lost. It looks like the rhythm is still going to get Gloria Estefan because she's opening up a new restaurant in Margaritaville off 192 in Orlando. Have you seen this? No. Oh, cool. You've heard of the whole Margaritaville thing though, right? Oh, God, yeah. So I now believe that uh, Gloria Estefan restaurants follow uh, Lavoisier's law of uh, conservation of mass, and you can neither create nor destroy a Gloria Estefan restaurant. The same number of them has always existed and always will. Well, speaking of can't, be destroyed the last time i was in bongos there was an awful lot of ceramic tile and cement and who's going to take down this building with what (laughs) 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 i think i think they're gonna have to go nuclear on that one jim i don't know the people at paleo might be a little upset yeah all right jim let's move on to uh to listener questions here from brian k we just came back from a week at disney world i have a couple of questions there's construction work going on adjacent to Pandora between Pandora and the Festival of the Lion King. What's going on there? Also, on Expedition Everest, there are hundreds of hair rubber bands at the top where the train stops to go backwards. What's their purpose? All right, so Jim, first question. What's going on adjacent to Pandora? I know what it is. Why don't we start with your explanation and then I'll, I'll ruin it. <laughs> it's a location for a private club and I'm going to leave it at that. Ah, Okay. That actually dovetails nicely into what I was about to talk about, because as I understand it, the expansion pad for the really for real ride that's eventually going to go into Pandora, uh, that's on the other side that's actually over by the bathrooms. It is. And given that just this week, 
the Walt Disney Company announced the release date for Avatar 2, and it's now December 17, 2021. Jim, Jim, it's like saying I've, I've announced my, my release date for my royal wedding. It's, it's, I mean, it's just it's never going to happen, Jim. Oh, land, 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 land. They actually, at this point, as far out as December 27th, or, or de- uh, December, December 17th, 2021. That's when Avatar 5 is supposed to come out. I mean, they released this very, very ambitious schedule. We're starting in 2021. Every year in the holiday window, Star Wars and Avatar will switch off as to who gets this lucrative window. But the interesting thing is you talk with Imagineering, they're like, you know, we'd really like to see how people respond to the settings and the characters for the sequels before we commit to, you know, we have this one beautiful expansion pad that we want to make use of. So Yeah, so that's the Avatar sequel is supposedly mm-hmm. 2021. Right. So we won't know, December of 2021. So we won't know about the box office for it until oh, early 2022, which means we're looking at five years at least. Easy. Until Easy. we see an attraction. So going back to the site where they're working right now, mm-hmm. kind of challenging area because right out behind that is where all of the safari vehicles for a Kilimanjaro safari just beyond the perimeter road there is where they're they're parked and uh, serviced and you know cleaned for the day and that sort of thing. So not a great place for an attraction, but an interesting place for a yet to be named club. What about the uh, rubber hairbands on uh, Expedition Everest? Humanity is such a wonderful thing, Len. <laughs> basically what happened here it's jim's is, social work corner go ahead jim <laughs> it's amazing sometimes about how people behave in theme parks that basically at some point somebody during that moment where the train stops mm-hmm. at the top of uh, kilimanjaro safari before you slide back into the forbidden mountain mm-hmm. somebody took off their rubber hairband that they held with a ponytail and like a rubber band, shot it up onto the fake snow. And over time, other guests observed this, and it was like, ooh, I can get better than that. Now it's a game. It's like now pitching it's a game. pennies. Now it's a game. You know, and, well, the fact, it's interesting that you say, mention pitching pennies, because this makes me think of what happened. In fact, Disney World actually let a cast member go who used to work at the Swiss Family Treehouse, because what he did is every morning he'd go upstairs into the bedroom mm-hmm. and throw like a handful of change onto the bed that's behind the ropes. And what would happen is people would walk through the room and say, oh, you know, somebody threw money in the bed. And it's like, I bet I can hit that. And by the end of the day, there'd be like 20 bucks on the bed. And the, the, he'd, you know, he'd collect it and be on his way. He, yes, that's it exactly. <laughs> so, I mean, a human, a human nature, just sort of like, I can do better than that Urban, or I can throw a quarter and hit that bed. Somehow, this makes me think that that cast member didn't get fired. He got promoted. Oh, well. You know. <laughs> it's this kind of thinking, son or daughter, <laughs> that uh, makes me think you're destined for bigger things. There we go. All right, Jim, uh, Big Galaxy's Edge news this week is that in Walt Disney World, the park will open starting at 6 a.m. from August 29th through the 31st, switching to 6 a.m. morning extra, extra magic hours from September 1st through November 2nd. Along with that, all of the other parks open super early. The Magic Kingdom and Animal Kingdom will have extra magic hours at 7 a.m. in September. Jim, that tells me that Disney is expecting the studios to reach capacity very, very early in the day. 
Uh, Otherwise, there's no need to have those parks open that much in September, right? No, but it just, oh God, it's a galaxy far, far away and I'm really, really not awake. Has there been any news coming out of the bazaar or Oga's cantina about coffee? No, I've, I've asked that question. I've, I have all of these requests in to Disney. Like, what if people want coffee at four o'clock in the morning, which is when mm-hmm. they're going to start lining up, if not sooner? What do they do for that? What, are they, what if it's cold? What if it's raining? What happens? Can yep. you bring a tent? I mean, all no. I mean, legitimate no, question, no, these, right? I mean, these are. It, what if these, it rains at night in Florida? Are you going to get wet? Yep. There are so many finesses that are going to come out of Anaheim that are oh, then yeah. applied to Florida, but they've got the Disneyland cast members in right now doing the previews, and they're still trying to determine what capacity is. They're doing things like taking groups of cast members who were there for the preview. It's literally standing outside of a shopping. Put one more in. How does it? Can you, can <laughs> you move your elbows? Can you move your on the on the top? Yeah. Yeah. It, you know, it's just good. Can you move your elbows? Can you reach your wallet? People <laughs> need to be comfortable if they're going to be shopping in the bazaar. And it's just, you know, you can make models. You can do renderings. Yeah. I mean, you can. Yeah. Yeah. But you can't until you get people in there to feel it. Yeah. I've heard that uh, from a cast member, by the way, mm-hmm. that Disney is preparing for people to camp out for two consecutive nights before opening night. So not the night before, but to be in line literally for two days. Okay. Jim, there's a lot of things I'm willing to do for this company. There's a lot, but that's not one of them. No, no. <laughs> if there are any listeners who would li- like to make a, a decent wage by waiting in line for me, mm-hmm. please get in touch, linatoringplants.com. Yeah. What would you have to be paid to stand in line for two days? <sighs> it's what, 48 hours? There's a firm bed and then there's cement. All right. Yeah. I need my Sealy Posture P. Well, that's my question. I mean, what are you going to, I mean, it's going to be Florida. Yep. And by the way, the, the person that, that told me this, I fully believe Disney is preparing for people to camp out for two days. Mm-hmm. But why not just hand people wristbands or numbered wristbands that say, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. And because number one, I don't want to smell those people after two days. Yeah. And number two, it seems like that there are safety issues there with, you know, standing out in the sun for two days. Oh, no. So, no I mean, no, it no. just seems like, it seems like nothing good could come of it. Comic-Con actually used to deal with this issue at Hall H and until th- there was actually a tragedy. There was, there was somebody who was hit by a car crossing the street trying to get to the outside waiting area. And that's when they began instituting the wristband idea, yeah. you know, the notion of you showed up here and you can go away, come back in six hours and you can actually get into the event. The problem is that there is this tradition of the people who camped out to see the prequels. Yeah, but two days, Jim? Two days? No, no, no. I mean, I, overnight, I, yeah. I, I mean, I'm down. You want to get in yeah. line at 6 p.m. the day before, yeah. you know, or whatever, 4 o'clock, mm-hmm. 4 p.m. the day before, camp out all night, just say, yeah, that's great. But a, a full day before that? Nah. Yeah, if Disney lets it happen and you want to do it, go do it. Mm-hmm. It's, it sounds excessive to me. I would not be down for that. We are not disagreeing here, Len. The park's going to open at 6. What time are people going to get in line? It's not going to be later than 4 o'clock. Like, I guarantee you, the park opens at 6, there will be people in line at 4. Will be there be people in line at three or two? The only thing I can think of the the parallel, I remember being at Walt Disney World April twenty first, nineteen ninety eight, the day before the opening of Animal Kingdom. And how many people were determined to be the first? Oh, what was that like? I wasn't uh, I wasn't there. How many people camped out? I it was impressive. It was it good I, I wanna say close to five or six hundred. Oh, okay. And the problem was that 
They did the opening ceremonies for Animal Kingdom actually out in the parking lot. They had this elaborate presentation that actually included full-size dinosaur puppets that, that walked across the stage. But the problem was that Disney wanted its VIPs to be able to experience this out in the parking lot in chairs and at the same time be able to get those photographs of the anxious hordes waiting to get into the park. And it it was definitely a, a, a bunch of hurdles that Disney security oh. set up. And, and of course, again, it's Florida. Like, you know, the weather not only slowed down the opening ceremony, but a lot of poor people got soaked the night before. Are they talking about where they're going to have these people wait? Or Nope, nothing yet. Uh, okay. So. so a follow-up question from Wes P. Regarding mm. the news about extra, extra magic hours, I'm curious, on an average day, what percent of the people in the park are on-site guests versus those that are off-site? I've never thought there were many off-site guests to begin with, making this extra, extra hour opportunity not so beneficial. So I did, uh, uh, Wes, I did some back-of-the-napkin calculations here. But on an average day, it looks like there's around 50 to 55% of guests are on-site and the balance are off-site. That assumes 27,000 hotel rooms on-site, 3.5 people per room, 90% occupancy. That's about 31 million people. Attendance was 56 million in 2017, the last year for which we have the estimates. You do the math from there. But mm -hmm. the interesting thing is this. Mm -hmm. We know that like for regular extra magic hours, morning extra magic hours, fewer than 25% of on-site guests take advantage of those. They just can't get up that early. And we're talking there about the 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. slot. Mm -hmm. So that's going to factor into a lot of this. I mean, definitely there are going to be lots of people who are going to be there you know, for the 6 a.m. opening. But I don't think as many as you think in the middle of September Mm -hmm. because 6 a.m. is very, very early. This is true. And the very thing that you, you stress about, you know, the late August, early September opening of this thing. I mean, yeah. Florida schools will at least be back in at that point. And, and if you think about the majority of when people go back to school in the South. Yeah, but I mean, they, they're running it for two months, though. I mean, through uh, through November. That's amazing. And then I think yeah. they're going to switch over to a reservation system. Mm -hmm. well, they, haven't, they haven't said that officially, but I'm 99.99% sure. Okay. I think the one thing we can count on with Galaxy's Edge on both coasts is whatever operational procedures they think they have in place now, it's all going to change. <laughs> I actually said that. That's why I had to write the unofficial guide chapter for yep. Disney's Hollywood Studios. And at the beginning of it, of it, I had started the book, by the chapter by saying, look, there are a number of ways in which Disney can handle it. Let's go through them. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, when, when you're talking about like opening procedures or, or fast pass strategies or things like that. We've talked about this in the previous show. Mm -hmm. But for each one of those possible things that Disney could do, you've got contingency plans that you can make. And, th and then I realized like this entire chapter is nothing but a giant flowchart. <laughs> you know, and, and finally I was like, look, Disney doesn't know what they're doing yet. And whatever they're doing in, in Disneyland, it's going to change for a world. So mm -hmm. what I ended up doing is creating a page on the website and saying, mm -hmm. look here for the latest information. That's the best we can do in the book. That's going to be the only possible solution to this. And that may wind up being the most dynamic page in the entire thing. <laughs> <It's just laughs> running yeah. as, we, yeah. as we go Hang along. on, come back. Just changed. Ten, you know, as you know. of 10 a.m. <laughs> on today. Yeah. Arjun, yeah. one more Galaxy's Edge question. This one from Victoria, who says, uh, My brother's autistic and has epilepsy, so I usually meticulously plan our trip using fast passes in the DAS system, so disability access system, to avoid lines and crowds. Uh, will the DAS system be available in Galaxy's Edge? And how is Galaxy's Edge going to accommodate guests with special needs, such as guests who need seizure warnings? Any ideas? 
a lot of this stuff is still being decided, still being fixed, which I know sounds nuts given that we're two weeks out from the opening. All right, Jim, one last thing. Uh, our friends over at wdwmagic.com have unearthed some construction permits that show the size of Disney's next DVC resort, which is Reflections, a lakeside lodge. Besides being much bigger than I expected, there is what looks to be a fairly expansive pool area with a lazy river, as well as uh, lakeside cabins here. What are you thinking about this, Jim? Given that Reflections is largely being built on top of what used to be river country, I mean, we right. always kind of assumed that it was going to have a, a pool component, and the, the lazy river is a nice touch. What concerned me about looking at that, that plan that they found is the access road. Oh, yeah. The in and out from this place is the bus route for Hoop-de-Doo, the one that comes in from Fort Wilderness and the villas at Wilderness Lodge. Oh, the uh, the Big Pine Road and uh, Fort Wilderness Road? Yeah. I had been told that they were going to use this project as an excuse to overhaul the horrible interior road system that the Fort Wilderness Campground has had since 1971. Because face it, they didn't have a plan. They Hell, they didn't even have any construction supplies. They used to steal yeah. them from the site of the Contemporary and the Poly. Yeah. So now to look at this and it's like, you guys still aren't going to fix this? Well, it is a lot of a, a additional traffic. Oh, God, yeah. Going in. So that, that makes me think it's not going to use the Fort Wilderness Trail access, that they're going to have their own dedicated access through Fort Wilderness Road. Man, I hope so, Len, because, I mean, when you look at the size of this resort, or let alone look at the size of the parking lot. That's what I was thinking. And are you surprised that they're putting the parking lot there? I know the parking lot has to be relatively close mm-hmm. to the resort, but you would, uh, I guess if they move the parking lot though, the, right now the parking lot is between the main building and then the existing horse stables. Mm-hmm. But if they move the parking lot behind the stables, then you're encroaching on actual campsites yeah. to the and south and east. And that's what the problem is. Look, Len, you and I both know the beauty shot for reflections what they're going to use this to sell this is the shot off of bay lake oh yeah yeah from uh yeah from uh, discovery island yeah look at this amazing lodge right here on the water and don't you want to stay here i do like how they sort of fit the shape of the building to the shape of the land it's almost like an elongated w yeah i know i see that and this has got to be the plan for full build-out, right? Yeah, I think so, yeah. Do you think opening day we're going to have cabins? Or? I don't know. I mean, uh, they're, I think the, the Wilderness Lodge cabins are fantastic. I like them mm-hmm. much better than the, the Polynesian bungalows. I wouldn't mm-hmm. be surprised to see. Maybe, although, did you notice they cut down the number here? It's only 14? Yeah. Maybe they think that that's the right number for this. Well, at the same time, though, I can't help but look at the set that's right at the water's edge beyond Discovery Island and... If push came to shove, you know, they could quite easily drop another five or six in across the way. Oh, that's true. Did you go, so uh, th- right now they're to the left of the uh, mm-hmm. the existing boat dock. Yep. What you're saying is they could just go to the to the right of it, too. Yeah. Well, no, no, no. I, I'm talking about the... Oh, the, on the other side. Okay. On the other side. Closer to uh, Wilderness Lodge. Yeah. Yeah. And I, th- I think the farther in they go, the longer the hike those people are going to have. But it's the wilderness. Let's face it. There you go. And site prep now, do we know when they're going to... Start to go vertical or? No, I still think this is a 2021 project just uh, based on how, how fast Disney uh, moves on things. I am I am interested to mm-hmm. see how much construction noise impacts Fort Wilderness. I am going to uh, camp out at some point in Fort Wilderness, I think this fall, okay. when the weather starts to cool off a little bit, um, just to see what it's like. And speaking of that, I'm going to rent an RV because I've never done that before. 
All right, Jim, let's, uh, let's take a quick break. And then after that, you're going to talk about Bob Iger's new book, setting up our final installation of the Chronological Disneyland series. All right, Jim, uh, you mentioned that Bob Iger's got a memoir coming out uh, September 23rd of this year on his time as CEO of the Disney Company. What's that called? The book is titled uh, The Ride of a Lifetime, Lessons Learned from 15 Years as the CEO of the Walt Disney Company. Quick deviation here. Uh, I want to say through Twitter, somebody asked about what are your thoughts on, on when Bob might be stepping down and they were asking whether or not you thought Bob would still be here in 2023. Uh, no, definitely not. Really? Well, why yeah. would you say that? Well, he's supposed to retire in 2021, and he's already put it off like 16 times. <laughs> I know, I know. But at the same time, there's this, this tiny matter of $74.1 billion for Fox. And it's like, hey, do you know what we're doing with all this stuff? It's like, well, uh, goodbye, guys. Best of luck to you. <laughs> To be within inches of the 100th anniversary of the company, Eisner actually made it the term of his departure from the company that he hung on long enough that, you know, he I mean, literally cut the ribbon at Hong Kong Disneyland in, in September of 2005. And, and then and he was on a dolly, I think, that the uh, the employees were like taking him out to the uh, to the car true. as he was doing it. I'd be willing to put up a crisp $20 bill that he might hang on to 2023 just because it, it's the 100th anniversary of the company. And yeah. if you think about how the company has been reinvented during his run, there was a version of the Walt Disney Company that when Michael Eisner stepped down in 2005, and everyone talks about how Iger was the guy who got Pixar after Eisner had poisoned the relationship. But the interesting part of it is that everyone assumes that Iger waited Till after he became CEO in the fall of 2005. And, and that's not what happened at all. I mean, Ooh. Disney's board of directors lets Iger know in March of 2005 that you did really well in the talent competition and we loved you in the swimsuit portion. So, hey, you're going to be our new CEO. Iger turns and he lets three people know. He tells his wife, he tells his old boss, and then he calls Steve Jobs. Who, wait, who was, who was his old boss? The head of ABC, because he started at ABC back in 1974. Oh, that's right. He's a weatherman. Yeah. He came out of college and actually was the weatherman at the, the station in Ithaca, New York. Bob has never, in all of his time working in entertainment, has never known a stable period. He starts as the weatherman in Ithaca in 1972. November of that same year is when HBO launches. Oh, so cable, yeah. Suddenly, Network, which had been the giant, suddenly has serious competition. And so he's as he's walking through the door at ABC, ABC's already looking over its shoulder. So, you know, when you think about this is the guy who's pushing Disney to do the streaming service, it's like, look, guys, you know, all I've known, well, since I've been in this business is change. And yeah. that you either you have to be ahead of it because you don't want to be behind the curve. But yeah. Getting back to uh, him reaching out to Jobs, and it was just one of these things where it's like, you know, look, I'm going to be, they've just told me I'm going to be the CEO, and one of the first things I want to do is, can Disney's relationship with Pixar be salvaged? The year previous, I mean, Jobs, you know, very dramatically is like, we're ending our deal with Disney, you know, as of 2006, we're going to be looking for, you know, a new distribution partners, and Jobs sort of tests the water. It's like, well, come on up to Cupertino, I want to show you something. 
Iger's one of the very first people on the planet who gets to see an iPod. Really? Yeah. And it's like, we're going to need to have things to show on this. So Jobs doesn't go for the Disney film library or or that sort of thing. Tell you what, how would you feel about cutting a deal that we could stream ABC stuff on the iPod? And Iger's like, absolutely. So seven days after he becomes Disney's CEO... He cuts this deal with Jobs, and that sets the table for the Pixar deal. Now, once Disney acquires Pixar in in January of 2006, Iger literally lays down an edict. We don't do attractions for the parks anymore unless they are tied to highly successful IPs or well-known brands. So June of 2006, you know, just six months after they, they make this deal, Cars comes out, is a big hit at the box office, but an even bigger hit on the retail side. October of the following year, 2007, Iger okays this $1.1 billion redo of California Adventure, and he insisted Cars was going to be a central component of this land. Uh, The following year, June 2008, Toy Story Midway Mania opens at California Adventure. Now, when that attraction was initially developed, Len, it -hmm. was Mickey's Midway Mania. The whole thing was Mickey, Donald, Goofy, and same interactive gaming thing. And Iger was like, no, it needs to be a newer character. It needs to be something that's more relevant to today's theme park going audience. And when you think about Mickey and Minnie's Wonderway Railway. Exactly. Yeah, 10 years later. Yeah. But that's on the back of that amazing set of, of, of shorts that have been done. Yeah. The real key to understanding Bob Iger's approach to the Disney theme parks was, was came in November of... 2009, which again, when now Iger is looking for who his number two will be, and he proposes that Tom Staggs, who at that point was the senior vice president and the chief financial officer of the Walt Disney Company, Bob proposed that Tom switch jobs with Jay Rizzullo, right. uh, who at that time was the chairman of Parks and Resorts. And it just, as far as Iger was concerned, the, the, the retail side of the equation, it wasn't enough to build new ride shows and attractions. By building them around well-known IPs and film fr- franchises, mm-hmm. that would then help sell more merch that were based on these IPs. Is that where all this comes from? Yeah. Since Iger has come to power, mm-hmm. how many original IP attractions have we seen? I think you can count them on one hand. Something like Mystic Manor for Hong Kong, but most everything else is tied to you know a well-known yeah, I'm IP. Trying, I'm trying to think of... Uh, was Soren? Was Soren? No, that wasn't. I guess one of the more telling stories, Len, is that for 50-some-odd years, if you went to Disneyland, there was Carnation Gardens. It was this outdoor dance venue where you could see live music. It had been there since the earliest days of the park. It was something that people loved. They could go swing dancing and that sort of thing. But, But here's the thing. It's this great piece of real estate right toward the front of the park, just off of Main Street. And here's the Disney Princess franchise. Now, mind you, Disneyland from October of 2006 had an area called Disney Princess Fantasy Fair, but was built on top of the old Fantasyland Theater. But the problem was it was too deep in the park. And by the time people got back there, I mean, yeah, they they were happy to see the princesses, but they weren't necessarily in a shopping mood. Right, because it's a hike, and you've, you'll have passed like 100 other shops by the time you got there. There you go. Yeah, I'm with you. Okay. So what they decided to do was they shut down Carnation Gardens in April of 2012, flattened the site, and by March of 
2013, they've created Fantasy Fair, which is sort of an extension of Fantasyland right there in the hub. You can meet with three Disney princesses and, hey, there's also a retail component. And the whole notion was, well, you know, they're right up at the edge of Main Street and they associate this area with shopping. So it'll do better. And sure enough, it's done land office business. Just last year, we saw the merging of Disney Parks and Resorts, Disney Consumer Products, and Disney Experiences, the things like Adventure by Disney and all that, into one department that now Bob Chapek rides herd on, Disney Parks, Experiences, and Products Division. And that's literally how Bob views the company. All of this stuff is meld together, and by God, whenever you finish an experience or a theme park ride, You're walking through a retail area, which features IPs and film franchises that you love. But we were talking just last week about Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, uh, particularly the the Disneyland version that got announced. The entrance to the attraction uh, is going to be through the Acme Gag Factory. I saw that. Yeah. They are willing to give up that retail space for this attraction. The beauty part of doing that is, yeah, we're going to give up some retail space, but next spring, when the Walt Disney World version of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway opens at, at Disney's Hollywood Studios, it said, look for the carts. Look for the particularly train-shaped carts that will be outside uh, with merch. Okay, okay. That's what we're going to do out in California. That Yeah, we'll lose the Acme Gag Factory, but it's like, that's all generic cartoon stuff. You know, when people come off of Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway, there'll be this you know, these wonderful train car shaped things that will be loaded with merch specific to the attraction with Mickey, Goofy, you know, Minnie and the like. And we'll do 10 times the business. That's fantastic. So. I am super excited about that. Mm-hmm. Plus, give us Disney something to open in, uh, in 2020. There we go. So. Along with, uh, you know, to get every, every park will have something else. Mm-hmm. All right, folks, that's going to do it for our, our Disney Dish show today. For more of us, head on over to DisneyDish.Bandcamp.com where you'll find exclusive shows never before heard on iTunes. Don't forget, we are produced fabulously by Aaron Adams, who's spending this week wondering if besides coffee table, there are other pieces of furniture designed specifically for drinks. (laughs) Please go into iTunes and rate our show and tell us what you'd like to hear next. For Jim, this is Len. We're going to see you on the next show.